everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, before we get started with today's guest, I just want to recognize the new moon that occurred last night. So I hope all of you took some time to recognize it, embrace that energy, and maybe do some sort of ritual or new moon practice for yourself. I know I did. I am still actually traveling right now. So I am in Sudbury, Ontario with my best friend Sophie and we are teaching a bunch of health beyond food classes. So if you've ever been interested in one of my essential oils classes, learning how to take care of yourself beyond what's on your plate, then you'll definitely want to either come to one of my classes if you are local to me or within the area, but also keep your eyes out. I'll be releasing a lot of more content regarding essential oils and how we are taking care of our health beyond what's on our plate. So let's get back to this new moon energy. No matter where I am, if I'm traveling, if I'm at home, I always take time to appreciate and do some type of ritual around the new moon and the full moon. So every 28 days, it's a 28-day cycle, we will have a new new moon. And then in two weeks, we will have our full moon. I was explaining to Sophie how this worked last night, and I just love talking about astrology and the moon cycle and the phases. I'm all about connecting you back to nature and the wisdom of the earth and how that can really affect your health as a female human being. It's pretty incredible. So if you're into that stuff, definitely stay with me here. And we have so many more podcast episodes coming out. And I'm actually having um, someone on to talk about human design with me in the next couple of weeks. So really looking forward to that as that's another aspect of like spiritual health and personal development that I'm not very well versed in yet and I'm so excited that we can learn together. Now, back to this new moon stuff. Sophie and I did do a ritual. We stayed up pretty late last night and we meditated. We burnt some sage. We pulled some oracle cards and it was just such a great time and we just felt so amazing going to bed last night. So if you have not done something yet to appreciate the new moon and recognize it, I definitely recommend doing a meditation pulling some cards for yourself, or do something that feels right for you. But I do encourage you just to really embrace this energy and this new beginning. And that's what the new moon is all about, for us to really embrace this new beginning, set intentions, and just treat it exactly like what I said, a new beginning. And 
It's really exciting that we are about to begin the last month of 2019. And that kind of takes me to the topic of today's show. I actually recorded this episode with Amy Smith, who is an incredible life coach. I recorded this episode with her several months ago, actually, and I always publish the episodes that I'm just feeling like you need to hear this week. And I really just go by my intuition, truthfully. And it's pretty cool that I actually hadn't published this episode until this week because I think it's so fitting with the holidays coming up. Amy and I talk about setting boundaries and really tapping into your self-worth, growing that self-confidence and self-esteem that you have for yourself. And I think that is so key around this time of year. Now, I live in Canada, so I'm obviously not celebrating Thanksgiving this week, but I know so many of you are. And I hope you listen to this episode and it gives you that confidence to move through the holidays and really own your shit because you're awesome and I love you all so much. And thank you so much for listening to my show every week. And so many of you have been taking screenshots, sharing it on Instagram. And when you do that, just make sure you tag me so I can see and we can connect on Instagram. I just love connecting with you ladies. So if you're listening, take a screenshot post it on Instagram, tag me at I am Meg Doll. I so appreciate it. And thank you again for listening. And I know you are going to enjoy this episode with Amy Smith. Amy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you. We'll have a blast. I've, I've, Love talking about this stuff, so I can't wait. Yeah, well, I'm just so excited to get to know you even better through this next hour together. So why don't you give us a little intro on yourself, and then we'll really get into the goodness that you have to offer us. Sure. So um, my name is Amy Smith, and I'm a life coach, and I focus primarily in the area of communication, which that sounds like totally boring, but what that really looks like is knowing how to establish boundaries, knowing how to say no, especially to shit you really don't want to do, how to have tough conversations, things like telling a family member to leave you alone for choosing to be vegan, or like, how do you have those tough conversations when you're offended by somebody or a friend? And how do you speak up for yourself in situations where you know, we're kind of told, don't rock the boat. Don't, oh, you can't tell that person that. So my my work really focuses on, on two components, sort of the, the internal element of genuinely believing that you matter, that you're enough and that you're innately worthy because that will inform your behavior, right? So if you don't believe that you matter or that you are worthy, you're sure as hell not going to speak up to your in-laws or to that person wanting to rub your pregnant belly who you don't even know, you know, all those sorts of sticky situations that we come across. If we don't believe internally in our own value, 
then we're sure as hell not going to speak up for ourselves. So I do a lot with worth and really understanding uh, your value and who you are in this world. And then what does that look like to actually have challenging conversations as in what are the skills? What are the verbiage? How do you say no? How do you establish a boundary? Like, what does it actually sound like? Because there's a lot of things that happen inside of communication where we're at odds with our best friend or we're at odds with our families or siblings or, or whatever. And we just think like, why can't they just see it my way? Like, why does that make sense to them? That is so stupid. And we stay so focused in this blame place. And then our conversations don't go anywhere. So that's really kind of what I do in the corner, my little corner of the internet is working on believing in our own worth. And then how do we translate that to the world essentially? And on top of that, I, you know, have a very senior geriatric dog who you'll probably hear or see walking around here. Uh, I love whiskey and I love lipstick and I am just a raging feminist. I don't know. What else do you want to know? <laughs> well, I wish everyone could see your lipstick because you totally rock it. It looks amazing oh, on you. you. And you're just like sipping on a smoothie. No big deal. I'm super into smoothies lately. What are you drinking, by the way? Uh, so this is, I use, I don't know if you're familiar with Amy Myers, MD, mm-hmm. she, it, amazing. So she creates, a, she d- talks about a lot of stuff related to like adrenal fatigue and thyroid disorders and, and such. So she makes this incredible protein powder that I use. And then I also have almond milk, almond butter, a little bit of water and ice, kale, carrots, half of a banana, blueberries. Yeah. And I think that's it. That sounds good. I'm all about new com- um, new combinations. So I'd be totally into trying something like that. That sounds great. Yeah. I haven't heard of her protein powder before. She's, she's really incredible. There's two doctors who I follow actually, who are actual MDs. However, they're extremely holistic and are into a lot of more Eastern approaches. So they're far more about gut health and cleaning out from the inside. I think you would absolutely love it because it's not diet culture at all. It's all about um, curing our ailments and issues internally as opposed to just popping pills and shit like that. (laughs) Incredible. So something that I really love that you mentioned before when you were introducing yourself is the whole worthiness component. And Mm -hmm. that sounds like that comes before the actual communication stuff. Am I right? Uh, I would say yes and no. I think that there are times when we can, like, for example, you know, we could be really, really afraid to speak up. Like, let's say it's bringing something to your spouse. Like maybe you want to go back to school or you want to move or you want to have a baby and you're, you're not sure how your partner is going to respond in those situations, practicing courage or actually practicing speaking up might evoke more confidence and might get you to understand like, oh, I am capable of doing this oh, wow, maybe I am a powerful human. And so that could lead you down the path of, okay, maybe I am worthy. But I would say far more often than not, it is the reverse that needs to happen because it's very hard for us to get up that courage to go have that conversation if we don't feel worthy or we don't feel as though we're enough. So I would would definitely argue that it probably is the former that is more common, that we need to 
believe it that we matter in some way before we go and and stand really strong in that because oftentimes what i'll see is if you aren't really solid in who you are or you don't really love the person you are you just don't even you think making that person happy is more important what typically tends to happen is uh you will if you do speak up you have like speaking up remorse where you kind of go, oh shit, and you're racked with guilt. Did I say the right thing? Oh gosh, are they mad at me now? And and so you're going into this place where you're still highly invested in the opinions of somebody else, as opposed to being rooted in in your own intrinsic value and that you made a decision based off of your own happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So- Well, I work a lot with women and cultivating that- really incredible sense of self-love for themselves and it sounds like you do a lot of similar work in terms of love but also worthiness so can we go into that because I know a lot of women listening to this show do struggle with feeling worthy or deserving or having that kind of unbreakable love for themselves right right Well, I think the first thing to understand is that pretty much everything in our society and our culture, at least here in in the U.S., and, you know, I would argue in a lot of Western nations, it's very prevalent to not love yourself, right? And to be very invested in what a beautiful, successful woman looks like, right? You have to be this size. And I'm sure you, you're, we're up against that all the time. That's why podcasts like this exist, where we have this, like, why, why do I have to look a specific way in order to be happy, right? Why do I have to be fitting into a size two jeans in order to have a happy life? So I think that we get, we get fueled a notion at a very early age that, in order to be successful, you need to gain things outside of yourself. You need to either uh, be really beautiful to look at. You need to be an athlete. You need to procreate and have kids. You need to have a brilliant, successful life and career. You need to be the CEO. You know, all these things. You need to go to school. You need to You need to be partnered. God forbid you're fucking single. You better get your ass married. You know, like we just, we have all these things that society says, this will make you a successful human. And so we chase, right? We, we start like, okay, well, that means I need to get into a good college. And that means I need to, you know, go to the tanning salon. And that means I need to work out, you know? And so we start going through all of these motions to attain these things that we think will give us happiness. And then if you tend to be sort of an overachiever or a recovering perfectionist, then you attain those things, you get them. And then you go, why the hell am I not happy? okay, well, if I attained my law degree, well, now I better get in with a really great partner or with a great firm. Okay, now I need to make a partner. And so we keep changing the the sort of uh, benchmark or milepost of when we will be worthy. Mm-hmm. So what's really fascinating about this kind of chase, this uh, constant chase for our worth is that the end result of, okay, now I'm finally worthy keeps getting moved down the path, right? It's like, okay, well, no, well, now I'm not happy. I'm not still feel empty because it's not rooted internally. It's rooted externally. Well, better find a new thing, better find a new thing to go after. So the way that I talk about this a lot in my work, and we spend a lot of time on this in, in some of my programs, I'm sure you do as well, 
where we talk about just the idea of worth, right? Because for many of us, we come up against this idea that not pretty enough, not successful enough, not this enough. But if I were to say to you, what would be enough? It's like, it would be all across the board, right? It would, we would all have a different definition because even according to like the dictionary definition of what self-worth is, it's one's own set of criteria of what creates value. That means we are the ones who continue to, to change what worthiness means. So I like the idea, and this is kind of what I preach and share, is that we are all worthy already. There isn't something that we have to attain in order to be enough or in order to be valuable. So if you adopt that idea, now everything outside of ourselves just becomes the human experience. So if I am rejected for some reason, you know, if somebody uh, doesn't approve of me, or let's say online, I just got hate mail last night about that I use that I cuss. And I'm like, bye, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, something like that, where you get criticism, that's going to hurt, that's going to sting. But what we usually do is we go, that must mean I suck. That must mean I'm not valuable. Instead of going, that situation sucks. I don't suck. So taking those scenarios and go, okay, this person broke up with me. Okay. There's pain here, but I still know that I'm valuable. So it's basically taking all of life's experiences and categorizing them as either something that elicits a positive emotion or something that elicits a negative emotion. Not that it now means, oh, I can't conceive. That must mean I'm not worthy. Or, oh, I didn't get that job. So that must mean I'm not worthy. It's, I didn't get that job. And that fucking sucks and hurts. And I'm still worthy. But we're not really taught to breathe and process emotion. So that's kind of another huge element of it. But um, yeah, I think it can be kind of sized up as looking at something that we don't have to chase, that everything externally outside of us just becomes a goal, right? It doesn't mean you can't start lifting more weights or start a new business or want to write a book or have a baby or any of, any of the things that are light your spirit on fire. Those just become goals instead of I'll be happy when or I'll be worthy when. It's I'm worthy now and I have a goal of this which is a total game changer. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am just like sitting here nodding along and <laughs> wanting to like fist pump because I totally get everything that you're saying. And I feel, I see a lot of myself in you in terms of like getting a really nasty comment about myself and you're just kind of like, oh, well that was mean, but then you giggle and just delete it or whatever, because we just don't have time for that. And we know that those nasty comments or whatever the situation is doesn't devalue us. We are still awesome and we still love ourselves. But for the women that are listening to us and they're like, wait, what? Like, how can you even start thinking that way? And honestly, this is what I call 
being unbreakable, essentially, right? Like these situations can happen to us, but they don't dictate how we actually feel about ourselves or see ourselves. So a lot of women listening to this show are in the position of wanting to get to where we are, but don't necessarily know how to be able to take a nasty comment and know that that comment has really nothing to do with their worth. Right. So I would say there's a very easy sort of um, two question process that I would suggest for people listening going, okay, I'm on board. I like that idea, but what, how, like, what does that actually look like? So I would advise everybody out there to think about either a situation that you're up against right now where you you don't feel good enough in that area or you don't feel worthy, deserving, or that you matter. All of those words are sort of synonymous with worth. Uh, sometimes I'll even put lovable in there. Like we think we're not, I'm not lovable, uh, deserving, valuable, worthy enough. All those words are in the same kind of category as far as how I view it. So I would think of that scenario and perhaps you're up against something right now. Maybe you are, you are really struggling with body image, or maybe you, you are looking for a new job or wanting to get in shape or whatever it is. I would start looking at two questions. What are the facts of the situation? And then the second question is, what am I making up? So this can apply to anything where you are not feeling enough a lot of times it's because we're so invested in the opinions of others. So if, if we look at what are the facts, let's say, I don't know, let's say I want to, mm, let, let's say I want to, I don't want to say lose weight because that's just ridiculous these days. <laughs> I would say, because you can, I mean, that can absolutely be a desire of your heart, but let's say you want to go back and get a degree. Okay. Or you want to start a business, something like that. And you are flooded with all these ideas of what if I can't make it? What if I get rejected? What if I don't get into the school I want? What if I don't do anything with my degree? So if you look at what are the facts? Okay. The facts are, I know that I can complete this degree. What are the facts related to the industry that you're looking at? What are the facts with, you know, have you put in any applications yet? Are you, do you have your trans, you know, get your facts out and then start looking at, well, what am I making up? Well, I'm making up a shit ton. I'm making up a big old story when I have that, the facts do not support the story that I have made up. And the same is true oftentimes in relationships where one person will say one thing and then we infer or interpret it to mean something completely different. And then we start running away with this story and then we gather more evidence to support that story. So even if you can start just looking at, okay, what really is going on here? The reality is I'm unhappy in my job and I really want to get another degree so that I can advance into a different career. Okay, great. And then what am I making up? That I'm not able to do it, that I can't do it, that the industry, da 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 da. And then looking at, well, if I'm going to be making up shit, what do I want? What good stuff is possible? What if I 
actually become, you know, the, the top of my class? What if I get an incredible internship? What if this leads to me meeting my soulmate or an amazing colleague or best friend or business partner? Like we don't ever do the what if good, you know, we go into this horrible place of how we're not, we're not worthy and it's just never going to pan out, which if you stay locked into that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't go after the shit you want. You don't extend yourself. You don't make strides towards your goal because it's almost like you, you're setting yourself up for failure from the get-go just with your mindset. Yes. I love how you said we never what if good, which is so true. It's those what ifs are always the negative stuff. So I love that spin on it. So for everyone to just take a step back and see what their what ifs are and how we can create positive what ifs. That's huge. Well, one of the, one of the things about it is it's so simple. so it's a tool that I use called good, what if, bad, what if. And most of the time we start running around with all these negative what ifs. And most of the time they're catastrophic. They, they start off with, what if I don't get this job? And then all of a sudden, you're, nobody loves you and you're destitute and you're on the street. And we, you know, it's this hyperbolic uh, assumption that we start making about this hypothetical future. But what's happening in that moment is our brain is occupied with some sort of content. So one of the best things that you can do is occupy your brain with a different type of content, which is just a distraction technique. So if you, instead of when you notice yourself doing the what if bads, what if bads, what if bads, catch yourself and go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I'm going to be making up the future, let me make up a good future. So what would be a fun, good what if? What if I'm on Oprah? What if I get a book deal? What if I get this? What if I need my, whatever it is. But then what's happening as you're imagining, it's almost like you're reading a different book, mm-hmm. Right. Instead of staying in this book where your mind's occupied it here, you're just moving into a different distraction for your brain. And especially if you tend to be anxious, anybody out there who struggles with anxiety, that can be a really, really useful tool to just occupy your mind with a different, uh, almost a different set of, but like a book or a content piece. Yeah, I know we've talked a lot about relationships, get you know, business, school, like upgrading, things like that. But I feel like this can literally apply to any area of anyone's life. One mm-hmm. of my clients popped into my head and it can even be related to like sleep. I feel like so many people psych themselves out when they're having issues trying to get to sleep and then Mm -hmm. they psych themselves out about not being able to fall asleep Mm -hmm. and it's so much of changing what you're telling yourself and also these what ifs right like what if I'm not going to be able to fall asleep and then I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and not be able to function it's just yeah total snowball effect what would be different then if you were laying there and you notice that and then you go, okay, what if I fall asleep in like five seconds? What would that be like? Oh my gosh, it'd be beautiful. What would I want to dream about? Oh, I would get lost in this magical unicorn land where everyone gave me all sorts of money and you know, or whatever. And you just, but see now your mind is occupied with something else. One of the things that I'll do a lot of times with sleep is I'll just talk to my body and I'll say, oh my gosh, thank you brain for working so hard today. And I know you're trying really hard to process everything and 
it's okay, you can turn off now, it's okay. But it's just a method of distracting your mind as opposed to kind of the vortex or the rabbit hole that you might be going under. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. self-talk key for sure. Yeah, so I have a quick question before we get into the communication part of things. And that's okay. just like, how did you become so great in this area of work? Because I know for me, it came from past experiences with like eating disorders and things like that, that really gave me the opportunity to understand our thoughts and our mind and you know, taking a step back and using that positive self-talk. So how did this work into your life? Well, I I, had, I studied coaching in the mid-2000s and ended up getting my certification then as well. So I got involved in personal development, um, gosh, like 15 years ago. So it's been, it's been such a huge piece of my DNA for the longest time. But originally, before that, I was a makeup artist and I had... Uh, kind of grown up the, climbed up the ranks of a prestige makeup brand and was a corporate trainer and was traveling all the time and was, was really successful for us as young as I was. And I remember there was a moment where I was in the company car, which I absolutely hated. And I was driving home from one of my locations and I always would do, would listen to, um, voicemails on my way home and I would be communicating with my various locations and managers and such. So, and that was before it was illegal. And there was a moment where I was commuting home and Kelly Clarkson's breakaway came on. So that'll tell you how old it was. So her, her song comes on and I, I just start belting out the music. And the reason why it was so shocking to me. I just kind of have this epiphany of, holy shit, this is the first time in years that I'm actually listening to music in my car because I'm always working. I'm always on the voicemail system. I'm always paying attention to somebody else's dream and vision. And I'm not, I'm not even enjoying simple pleasures like music. So I'm listening to the song and it was so poignant and it's like, you know, I'll spread my wings and I'll fly away. And I'm just like scream crying, like, ah, break away. It's just loud. I have false lashes sliding down my face, like lipstick smeared. I look like a joker. So I walk into my house at the time and my husband was like, holy shit, what happened to you? And, and I remember I kind of held up my fingers and I said, I am this close to completely losing who I am. And that was the impetus for me to start looking for an alternative, something else that I would want to throw, throw myself into. And at the time, my husband had heard of coaching and he said, I heard about this person on the radio. They were a life coach. I really think you should start looking into it. So knowing that I could not sustain the chapter that I was in and that I didn't want to continue to to make my work life more important than everything else in my life. Cause my health wasn't stronger. My relationships weren't better. I sure as hell wasn't seeing friends and family. So I ended up going to a coaching school at that time and absolutely fell in love with it. When I could, I realized, Oh, all that shit in my head is doesn't have to be true. I can dismantle that. Oh my gosh. There's a name for that. Okay, cool. And so I really started a lot of copious studying at that time and threw myself into it. 
And then as I coached over the years, I, I was very focused in, in the field of making marriage work, like relationship coaching. And what I found as I did that was there was this, uh, sweet spot of where I loved, first of all, that I loved talking about this subject. And then two, that I was actually really, really good at it was in this concept of enoughness and worthiness. And then how that filters into speaking up, tough conversations, boundaries, all the communication elements. So that's sort of the chronology, the journey that I've gone on over it. But I I do feel very strongly about being educated in the field of coaching and, um, learning personal development and having mentorships and, and continuing to learn, knowing that we're never done. We're never, ever done. There's no arrival. Spoiler, there's no arrival. Exactly. It's a journey, not a destination, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get into the juiciness of communication then. One topic that hit my mind right when you brought up communication is the comments made about women's bodies. So a lot of the ladies that listen to this show are gaining weight for their health. And we get these comments about our weight gain, even though it's healthy, like, you know, good for us weight gain and how we are dealing with comments such as that. So can we talk about the communication around that? Of course, of course. So tell me a little bit about like, what are, have you heard any, like, um, could you give me a phrase or something you've heard or, you know, a student has heard or something like that? So for me personally, and again, this comment was just something that happened and I was able to, again, see it for what it was and like step away from it and not be negatively affected from it. But I'll just give a personal example so we can use it in this example, just because I don't have another kind of phrase from someone else specifically. So at Christmas time, after I had gained about like 20 pounds just this past Christmas, someone came a kind of a family member came up and said that, oh, Meg, your face looks so much fuller now. And she meant it in a positive way. And I definitely took it as a positive way. But those comments can be really triggering for people. And I would just love to hear from you how to kind of like go about taking those comments and not spiraling down with a comment about our body, right? Right. Right. Because that can be extremely triggering if you have disordered eating from the lens of, I need to be skinnier, right? I know that there's disordered eating opposite of that as well, but you don't want to start going, oh shit, I better, I better go back to that disordered way of, of restricting or, or whatever it might be. So in these situations, what, what's interesting about this is that it's not an overtly negative comment. It's not somebody saying something maliciously because that's a very different scenario. But with this case, I would say, I would, I would actually say thank you. And I would say, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I am sure that your intention is to be extremely kind. And I'm sure that comes across as a compliment. I'll be really honest. Any sort of commentary about my body can can 
can kind of get me a little bit. You don't have to say trigger. You could say whatever the fuck you want, but just, you know what? I truly hope you can understand, but it's a little bit hard for me to converse about my weight and my body. And it would just mean a lot to me if we could just keep that off the table. Mm-hmm. I love Something that. like that. Where I you're just, that. you're acknowledging their intention. You're not flying off the handle going like, I don't want you, I don't want to talk about it. You know, you're not lashing out, but you're advocating for what is or is not a healthy topic for you. Mm-hmm. And, and just, and to acknowledge that it's not coming from a malicious place. Now there will be people who make comments in jest and they're joking or being passive aggressive, or they'll say things like, uh, must be nice to worry about gaining weight. Yes. I've dealt with something like that before too. So we can go into that. So that's a perfect one where, so this is one of the tactics that I prefer. If somebody is, and this is partly because I tend to be a smart ass myself, but if somebody says something joking like that, or is somewhat in uh, like a passive aggressive joke sort of thing, you can mirror back a joke, but only with the stipulation that you follow it with something serious. So it would sound like this. Somebody says to you, gosh, must be nice to worry about gaining weight instead of losing weight. And you could say something in back, like must be nice to just make comments about people's bodies when you have no idea what they're going through. You know, you could be snide about it and then say, no, I'm just, I, I shouldn't say it like that in all seriousness. It's been a bit of a journey. And if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd really like to kind of keep this off the table. I like that. Something like that. I mean, you don't have to be, some people aren't as quick and smart assy as I am. So I don't want you to do what doesn't feel right for you. But you, I mean, you could even say something like, ha ha ha, someone's jealous. No, but seriously though, this, I know it doesn't seem like it, but it has been a massive struggle and it, it would, um, I'd really appreciate it if we just kind of left all weight related conversations um, by the wayside. Something and- like that. Mm-hmm. And this almost brings up the whole boundary thing too, right? Letting people know that this isn't a conversation that you want to be having. I wasn't wanting to make my health journey about the way I looked at all. It was just how I felt and things like that. So when people did make comments about how I did look and, you know, it would even be my parents saying, Meg, you look so good. And that's such a great compliment to get. But I would even tell my parents that, you know, I really appreciate you saying that to me, but I really also don't want to make this journey that I'm on about my body at all. So they just like stopped commenting about how I looked, even though it was like super positive feedback, you know? So that's like going into the boundaries that you like to talk about with people. And I just thought it was important to bring up that we can even create boundaries about what we want to talk about and what we don't want to talk about. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing about it too is I have found that when you go through something like this, where you're actively changing how you physically look. And so people feel licensed to tell you comments about that with keep in mind that just because somebody asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. So I got this all the time because I got married 
at a very young age, I'd been with my, my husband for 22 years and everybody automatically assumed that I was pregnant or would get pregnant or that that's the only reason why I would get married early, young. And so people would ask me all the time, when do you, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And so the, the, just because the question was asked doesn't mean I need to answer it to them. And so I would say, to be quite candid with you, that's not a topic that I prefer to discuss. I truly hope you can understand. Or, you know, so you don't have to answer people. So if they're asking you in, about like, well, what are you doing? Or what's your weight loss all about? Or what, what's your health all about? You can say, I so appreciate your concern, but unfortunately at this time, it's not something I'm super comfortable talking about. I really hope you can respect that. Nothing against you. I'm just going through my own process. You know, I just want to make that comment because sometimes when people are really assertive or they tend to be more abrasive in their character and they have no problem asking questions, we think we're obligated to answer. You can shut that shit down fast, you know, and you can do it really kindly and softly. So to answer your question about what, what does it really look like to establish a boundary, I really think that it's kind of a three-part process. The first is to decide on the boundary. And the second is to deliver. And then the third is to enforce. So if we take your example, and let's say somebody's in a similar situation where they're trying to let their friends and family know, I'd really appreciate it if any comments that you made were specifically about uh, my character, my energy level, like, wow, you look radiant or you look so happy. You just seem genuinely fulfilled or you seem like you have a ton more energy, you know, or if that's your case, if you're okay with those sorts of comments, you can ask for it to be off the table altogether. But what's important on the decision part is here is the specifics of what I'm requesting. So uh, a totally different example would be, let's say, let's say you have in-laws who are feeding your child high fructose corn syrup or like shit you don't want them to consume. And every time that they're at your in-laws house, they always get this horrible food that they're consuming and you just find it quite detrimental. So in that situation, the decision is, okay, here is my specific request. I want X, Y, or Z to not be consumed by my children. And this is what I'm asking you for, right? So then you go in, that after you've decided, then you need to go into the actual delivery, how you share that with somebody. And typically, the more vulnerable you are, the softer you are, the more likely they are to receive that, the more likely they are to really hear you. So if you go into that scenario and say, uh, so it, I'll give you both examples. Like with, with your family, it sounds like you handled it brilliantly, but to say, Hey, Hey guys, you know, I, I know that you want nothing but the best for me and you've been so incredible to support me and you would have no idea what things are triggering for me unless I told you. So I really wanted to share with you some ways that would be a really powerful way to support me that you probably would have no idea about. Um, because you have always been so lovely. So, so here's the deal. I'm up against this. It's, it, as you know, I've, I've, I've struggled with this at various points in my life. If you make comments about how good I look physically, that tends to trigger me back into some of the disordered mental patterns that I had around what I looked like. 
here's my request. It would mean the world to me if you would consider saying things only about um, it, like my character or how happy I look. Even healthy is a little tough for me, you know, whatever, like ask for the specific words, right? And then, you know, what are you thinking as I'm talking about this? I truly hope I'm coming across in a way that you understand that I know you want to be supportive. And um, I just wanted to, to share that with you, right? So that's one scenario. If it's the if it's the in-laws, right? This is they're not being that supportive. They're doing things that you know that they know you don't want. So to say to them, like, hey, I so appreciate you always watching the kids. It really means so much to us and we're so grateful for you. And I know we've talked a little bit about how we have such a different viewpoint about what we put in our systems and what to consume. And I don't expect at all for you to eat the way we do in our household, but it really is important to us that the kids only, only consume blah, 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 fill in the blank, whatever it is, gluten-free, whatever. And um, so it's our request that anytime the children are with you, that they don't have this, 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 this specific right? Because if you say something like, we just really need you to respect our choices more, that is so ambiguous and vague. Like, how the hell do I know if I supported that or not? So you have to have that specificity. You have to be super clear in a boundary. These are the things. Uh, and then finally, this final phase is enforce. So depending on the situation, what enforcement usually looks like is repeating your boundary over and over again so that the person knows you're serious. So when mom does say something about, oh gosh, you look so good in that outfit or that dress fits so much better now, and she kind of slips, then you say, mom, I'm really not trying to be an ass, but those are the comments that I was talking about. Those are the comments that I was referencing when I talked to you and dad or whatever. Again, it would, it would mean a lot to me if you, if you used a descriptor like happy, you just look so happy or you look so fulfilled or I'm so proud of you or you're so strong. You've had so much courage, whatever, you know, the things that you are, but you have to circle back because if you don't, this is the thing. A lot of people get like so pumped up that they established the boundary. Now I'm done. No, no, no. Those people in your life are going to breach the fuck out of that boundary. They are going to test you. They are going to see if you really mean it. Depending, right? Like mom and dad sounds like that's more of a supportive situation. The kids and the in-laws, that might not. Sometimes other people in our life think that we're wrong. So they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Those are the situations when the enforcement is key to circle back and say, hey, I really meant that. I really meant that. Because we really do teach people how to treat us, but we do it largely through what we choose to tolerate, not what we say. It's what we allow. Wow. That is honestly so helpful for so many people listening. Honestly, Amy, this has been so incredible. And I just wish you and I could keep talking and talking. I feel like I could, honestly, you and I just met today and I could talk to you forever. So this has been amazing. One last question, even though like, I feel like that kind of came to a an abrupt halt about communicating and things like that. But I think so many women listening today have so much to take away and actually apply to their own life. Like you literally gave us 
word for word things to say. So that was awesome. I can't thank you enough. Finally, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh, that's interesting. I think it, for me, it is, it is always coming back to kind of the true North. It is allowing room for sadness or upset or disappointment or even shame or guilt or some of the human emotions that we experience that carry so much pain for us. It's allowing room for that, knowing that that doesn't mean I'm broken. It means I am actually being courageous by allowing my humanity, by allowing myself to feel what I am supposed to feel without making the assumption that I'm broken or that I'm not worthy or not enough. I think that that's one of the things I see rampantly is if if we experience any type of sadness, we start to collapse that with who we are as a human instead of I'm just experiencing an emotion because that's what humans do. So for me, I think that that is something that I've always felt is a superpower, is the ability to experience all of our emotions, even the uncomfortable ones, and know that we are still 100% complete and whole. That's beautiful. And like I said, I see a lot of myself in you. And I know my listeners are going to want to run over and start following you and read more about you and your work. So where can we find you? So my little corner of the internet is over at thejoyjunkie.com and junkie is just spelled J-U-N-K-I-E. And I have been doing a podcast for six years, which is crazy, but I talk about all of this stuff. And my husband is my, my sidekick and the voice of the people he likes to say. And uh, so tons of free advice over there. I've got free workshops and free workbooks and all sorts of stuff. So I'd be honored for you to come and hang out and uh, see if you vibe. Yes, I will have everything linked up in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today, hun. Thank you. Thank you.